The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Third and one. Fake pressure comes. Stafford is buried. Ball is out. It's picked up by Dallas. Rumbling for the end zone is Lawrence. He's going to get there for the touchdown. Stafford. More pressure. Parsons. Sack. Fumble, it's loose. The fifth sack of the day for Dallas, and they've got it. What's going on, Cowboys Nation? Another episode of the Writer's Block, and now it's becoming a theme that with every episode, it's another victory Monday for us. Uh, Cowboys win 22-10 to 10 over the Los Angeles Rams, defending Super Bowl champions. Jess, uh, let me start with you as, as the lovely co-host that you are. What's your initial reaction to the Cowboys win? I know we're going to get into it and break it down, but just your gut feeling, how excited are you that now the Cowboys are 4-1 and one heading into Eagles week? You know what? I am so excited because, first of all, looking back to week one after Dak got injured, we didn't think we would be in this position. Nobody thought the Cowboys would be in the position that they are now. Um, not only just being on a roll and and continuing to, to grow and, and to see more of this chemistry building, but also the Cowboys are the only team to have beaten both – Super Bowl teams. I just want to point that out. We saw them beat the Bengals. We saw them beat the Rams. So if that doesn't tell you that, you know what, the Cowboys could actually be Super Bowl contenders. And and we say that every year. So I don't want anybody to get excited as Cowboys fans. I think we're just wired to say that every year. But this year is different. It feels special. And this defense, oh, my goodness, I cannot say enough things about this defense. And we'll get into that. But I am so excited for this team. And um, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between there. But um, initially, my reaction is let's keep these Victory Mondays rolling because it is so much more fun to have a Victory Monday than a non-Victory Monday. And we've been spoiled with a month-long full of Victory Mondays. How are you feeling after the win? And what was your initial reaction? I know usually... You and I will text a little bit between um, between the game and, and during the game, but we ended up being on Twitter spaces together. So that was fun. And uh, for the most part, I think I have a good read on your list for your top 10, for your power rankings. However, what was your initial reaction? Uh, I Like you mentioned, the 
change from what was our first episode, kind of going off of the Tampa Bay game uh, to what we're feeling now. It's amazing how night and day it's so different and how we feel about this team and where we were thinking. I remember I was listening back to our episode and we were trying to figure out what our confidence level was in Cooper Rush. And we were saying four, 4.25. Now that's completely different, right? Like everybody feels that that we're at an eight, nine. For some people, it's a 10 or above because they want Rush to start over Dak. So I think for me, looking back, I'm a, I'm a big person and looking where we used to be, where we are now. And it's a night and day difference um, to see where the Cowboys started and where they are. And to be in the conversation of having the top two, top one defense in the NFL is something that if you'd said to 2017 me, 2016 even me, I would have been like, yeah, you're crazy. The Cowboys are never going to have a top one, top two defense. It's never going to be like Seattle and Dallas. So that just shows you the Dan Quinn effect, right? And we're seeing how he's uh, implementing all – He's taking all these players and just with every guy that leaves, you know, you have another guy that steps up. You have a Quentin Bohanna who's out and a Carlos Watkins who's just sitting on the practice squad waiting for his opportunity again and takes full advantage of it. So it's awesome to see. And while the offense didn't perform well, again, it's these non-turnover games that Cooper Rush is having. Like, if you control the turnover battle, you're more than likely going to be winning the game. And so far, Cooper Rush hasn't had any turnovers. So it's great to see. And I think just as a Cowboys fan, uh, I'm just happy to see that the Cowboys are proving people wrong. Like the national media, oh, you guys are underdogs, right? And like Mike McCarthy said, we're nobody's underdog. And it's hap- it, it's it's uh, it just gets my juices flowing. It's, it's a really good thing um, happening in Dallas right now. I'm happy to see it. Yeah, and you know what's funny too, speaking of that underdog quote, which I swear was about to break the internet oh, when yeah. Mike McCarthy said it, um, Tank was asked about it in his post-game interview, and he's like, well, yeah, we're nobody's underdogs. I, You know, like, end of story. And really, when you look back at it, were the Cowboys the underdogs? Because I don't think anybody, first of all, I don't think anybody expected them to lose when you when you look back at everything that everybody was saying. It's just with this defense that Dan Quinn has built for this team, it is so hard to count them out of any game at this point. And I think now the, conversa- the conversation has shifted from, you know, what is this Cowboys team going to look like? What does the future of them look like? To, oh, man. This is a real contender for a playoff run. And not only that, but you look at the NFC East as a whole, and I know this was mentioned during the broadcast of the game, but the NFC East has really flipped a page to become quite the threat uh, across the league. And so, uh, yeah, that's why going into Eagles week, it is it is going to be a battle. And, uh, you know, we were talking about this before we started recording, but we don't have to get there yet. We can enjoy the high of Victory Monday because, really, there's a lot of victories to be celebrated. You you look at the amount of accomplishments that this team has really pushed through and, and been resilient to since Dak went down and since their performance week one. And so you can make the argument that, yes, week one looked like it did for a lack of a preseason, right? And and why it's so important to not judge what you see from a team come week one and then even, you know, week five 
completely night and day. But um, I, I think what you're seeing now is the team coming together. I think what you're seeing is a lot of the chemistry that we've been talking about and it has been echoed. Uh, you're seeing it and, and you're seeing guys that are playing for each other. They're holding themselves accountable. They're holding each other accountable. And it's just special. It's exciting to watch. And, um, you know, what's funny is, I was talking to Christy Scales today um, when I was at the star and we were asking her, you know, how do you feel about this defense? Is it really special? And is it as special as we're thinking it is? And she said, Oh yeah, it it is. And so for a team reporter, you know, Christy Scales being the uh, Cowboys radio network sideline reporter, she's been doing this for nearly 25 years at this point. And that says a lot for her to admit after all of the things she's seen, all of her experience that it is that special that to me just confirmed it it is a big deal. This, this is not overhyped. This Cowboys defense is not overhyped. What worries me is that they cannot sustain what they've been doing. If the offense doesn't start to step up and doesn't start to capitalize in the red zone, because we saw it again during this game was they struggle not only on those third down conversions, but they struggle in the red zone. And as much as I am a Brett money Maher, the new currency of the Dallas Cowboys, as much as I am president of his fan club now, look, rest your leg. I don't want to see you anymore unless you're scoring that extra point after a touchdown, because the Cowboys offense needs to find a way to score touchdowns, especially after these drives that, uh, that they're having. So that's my little soapbox. Brandon, how how did you feel about what you saw during this game? I know you want to talk about uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you're thinking of something happened uh, that happened that was positive. We'll start with the good things first, and then we'll work our way back. Well, it's almost like that the Cowboys need a quarterback, right? Oh, wait, no, they have one coming in the wings. Uh, it, you know, I, I look at something like the play at Cooper Rush has been great. Like I said, the turnovers, they haven't come. They haven't happened. I think that's the reason why the team is winning. And he knows it. He knows every time he talks to the media, he knows and understands that the defense is carrying this team. Mike McCarthy knows it. And when you look at the defense, it was a defensive win uh, for the Cowboys against the Rams. It was bookended. By defensive plays, you have the you know the sack fumble for a touchdown, and then you have the strip sack fumble to end the game, and that's how the Dallas Cowboys are winning these games right now. So to see a strong defensive effort against the Super Bowl champion Rams, and granted the Rams are beaten up. I think that's the one thing taking away. Yes, the Rams are they still have a lot of players from the team: Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Matthew Stafford, but they are beaten up along that offensive line and. You know, it's not making an excuse for the performance saying, oh, well, Dallas, they, they should be doing this. Well, yes, they should be beating up on a team like this. And to show that week after week, like you're beating a beat up Giants team, you're beating up on a terrible commanders team. Like these are the wins that we've never seen the Cowboys have back to back to back where you're beating these teams consistently and showing the same result. It would be a case where they win against a bad team and then they play another bad team the week after and then they lose. Right. And so it was this up and down roller coaster we've seen for so many years, but the consistency that we're seeing, I think is something that I am taking away from all these games, just across the board, the offensive effort, you know, maybe the running game is the best thing about the offense right now under a Cooper rush team. Um, but you're seeing that week after week that it is the running game that is the best part of the offense. On the defensive side, the front four, everybody on this defense is performing really well. So like I said, I think just the consistency of what we're seeing um, across the board is something that just like is a red flag and a blaring alarm for me. Um, and what I want to ask you is I was thinking about this today of 
the coaching staff you can see in the division, uh, specifically with the NFC East, is an advantage. You have Nick Sirianni, you have Brian Dable, who's taken over for the Giants, and then, of course, Mike McCarthy. In Washington, Ron Rivera is sort of on the hot seat. Uh, I saw today that when he was asked about what's separating the commanders from the NFC East and how the success of the other teams, he said it's the quarterback position, not willing to take ownership of responsibility for his team's uh, insufficiencies. And I look at someone like a Mike McCarthy who hasn't been given a lot of credit, but he was on the hot seat at the beginning of the season. Someone like Matt Rule was just fired today from Carolina, and we wish him the best on whatever career he ends up with, you know, after this. But Mike McCarthy was was really trying to be hold, held accountable for all the mistakes and mishaps that he had last season in the playoffs and towards the end of the year. So I want to ask you, out of the coaching staff between a Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, and Mike McCarthy, who's the one that you can kind of throw flowers to a little bit? Because I can kind of make an argument for all three, but I kind of want to hear your perspective on that. It was just something I was thinking of today. Yeah, you know what? Um, I, I think the obvious answer is Dan Quinn, and, and we know why. However, there would be no Dan Quinn in Dallas if, if it wasn't for Mike McCarthy. So I personally was not a fan of the Mike McCarthy hire when it happened. But what I've seen throughout this season specifically is, um, you know, I, I'm seeing things through a bit of a different perspective. When you listen to these press conferences every day, you kind of learn to see things differently um, from, from a journalistic perspective as compared to a fan perspective. And something that I can really appreciate about Mike McCarthy is Dan Quinn said it best. He's just always very sturdy. He's very stable. He doesn't take the ups and the downs. He's just always very consistent. Um, and I will give Mike McCarthy all of the flowers. I will eat crow until you know, day's end, because I was not a fan of the Mike McCarthy hire. But what I've noticed, and, and it just is something I think you don't see very often, is the culture, and, and I'm going to preach about that nonstop until the end of this season, because it's just so apparent. And something that I've noticed watching all of the press conferences and listening to all the players speak and the coaching and uh, just everything is when you start to hear your players talking like their coaches, that tells me that the players have bought into the culture and they've bought into the coaching that they're under. And so, you know, we heard uh, Mike McCarthy say ebb and flow. And then you hear CD lamb say ebb and flow. And then, uh, you know, just these, these terms that, you don't hear very often, but you know where they're coming from, right? So I'm going to give Mike McCarthy the flowers in this one, and that's because he, I don't think in Jerry's eyes, ever was sitting on a hot seat. But to the fan base, I think he was, and reasonably so. I mean, 2020 was obviously uh, not a year that as Cowboys fans we like to discuss. And then last season, we, we kind of saw how it ended, and, and we were obviously very disappointed with that. But what I think we're seeing now is, one, the players know he's consistent. The players know what they're what they're going into. Two, there's mutual trust, and, and I think that goes a very long way. Um, I, I can say wholeheartedly, I don't think Mike McCarthy would ever go up after a game, or even if the Cowboys were playing like the Commanders and talk like Ron Rivera is about Carson Wentz. I don't think uh, Mike McCarthy would ever sit there and say anything about Cooper Rush right now or Dak Prescott when he takes his rightful starting position back. Right. So um, I, I think it is just a very healthy environment for the coaching staff um, and the players. Just the, 
the culture is based under Mike McCarthy. And I, I think, you know, people get lost in that a little bit because the defense is obviously doing better than the offense. And, and I think people say, Oh, it's Dan Quinn. It is Dan Quinn. It is Mike McCarthy. It is bones fossil. It is Kellen Moore. All of them have bought into this culture because of Mike McCarthy. But what about you? Are you giving flowers to Mike McCarthy? Are you giving the whole flower shop to Dan Quinn? Because yeah, I, I love Dan Quinn too. So anytime I get the chance to throw some flowers at Dan Quinn, you know, I'm going to. I think everybody gets their, their flowers, right? I, I see someone like a, like a Dan Quinn, like you said, he's, he's the, the culture guy for the defense. I think everybody trusts what everybody's doing. Nobody's trying to say, oh, well, you need to do this. Like the offense isn't coaching the defense and the defense isn't coaching the offense. That's Mike McCarthy's job. And I feel like that with Mike McCarthy, he finally knows what it means to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, that it's not like you're the head coach of the Green Bay Packers where the owner is almost non-existent uh, because they have no owner, uh, you know, and for the Cowboys, Jerry Jones is always in the spotlight. He's commanding, you know, uh, the narrative a lot of times surrounding this team. And so for Mike McCarthy to get used to that and understand that if Jerry Jones says that Dak Prescott's going to be out, uh, you know, eight weeks or so with a broken thumb before even Mike McCarthy can even talk to the media. He has to understand how to navigate those waters. And I feel like finally he understands how to do that. And like you said, 2020 was an aberration. Uh, I think that we can chalk that up as just a lost year. But even last season, you could just tell that there was a little bit more tiptoeing around trying to figure things out. And I feel like finally he understands what it means to be a head coach in Dallas. And I think that's the biggest thing, right? And understanding that when week one was such a terrible performance on the offensive side of the ball, he steps up and says that he needs to be more present in the offensive room and kind of help Kellen Moore a little bit. And being, you know, the offensive coordinator of the Cowboys too is a, is a high profile position. You could go on and be a head coach down the line. And, you know, Kellen Moore could have said, whoa, like this is my offense. I want to run it. But he understands that Mike McCarthy has a lot of experience and has been around a lot longer than he has. So, you could just see the difference in how the offense is being run uh, from week one to week five and how it's like, I keep saying it's this conservatively creative offense where they're not doing, I mean, I don't, have we seen like a double reverse trick play or anything like that? I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. I, well, maybe week one, yeah. there was a little bit of the fancy stuff in what the first drive First, the Cowboys' first regular season drive, I think, was the fanciest that they've ever tried to go, and then we haven't seen anything since, which I'm okay with. Keep it simple. Keep it conservative-ish. I, I would say um, I wouldn't call them completely conservative, but keep it as safe as possible. Keep it simple so everybody's on the same page, and then, you know, once everybody is well-established to having Dak back, then you can start to add a little bit more of that flair or that spice in. Oh, I'm totally okay with not fancying things up right now. Well, I'm 100% fine with that. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying is that, you know, there there's this culture change of just being resilient. And I know Brad Sham was on 105.3 The Fan last night, and he was talking about how the theme of the season is resiliency. resiliency. And that's something that Mike McCarthy kind of created even before the season, before Dak got injured, before Tyron Smith got injured. And with each step and each hurdle, it's almost like you have uh, a platoon of men just waiting behind these guys, and it's like there's no drop-off. And I think, like you said, everybody's buying into this culture finally on all sides of the ball. And we talked about 
Dan Quinn with the defense that he's running. And, you know, we'll start there. We'll break down the defense, the offense, the special teams, and sort of what we like because we can nitpick, you know, different things from each one. So I'll start with you with what have you seen from this defense and specifically with yesterday of like just some highlights of either specific players. And I'm sure we'll get into a lot of defensive players on our top 10 rankings, but just some certain things that stood out on the defensive side of the ball yesterday or on Sunday. Well, you know what, for the fifth week in a row, the Cowboys defense have held their opponent to one scoring drive, one, one touchdown when I say that. And so that's impressive. I mean, to be honest, I thought going into this week, I was like, there's no way. The Rams will get at least two touchdowns. There's no way they can keep this going. And it's not It's not because I don't think they're capable. It's just reality. I mean, what they're doing is hard to do, and it's nearly impossible. And they're continuing to do it. So the magnitude of this defense, I think, um, you know, what we really did see on the defense on, on Sunday during the Rams game was the the depth and and we continue to see that right but when you have um micah parsons you know potentially getting less of a rep count because of you know a hamstring injury or whatever you want to classify it as you have sam williams stepping up which i absolutely love to see and we'll get into that uh in, in the top 10 rankings, and then you know quentin bohanna being out that was that was huge that was huge and it what what the point is is the defense that uh, or the depth that the defense has is just so apparent and and yesterday i think really showed it i think the fact that um yeah of course we know the rams were, were struggling uh, uh there's they were struggling to get their uh run game established and and there's a reason for that right but um i think something that's important to note is that this was still going to be a tough game for the Cowboys and specifically the Cowboys defense, but for the fact that they held the Rams to 10 points, that's insane. That is insane. So I think what stood out most of all was the resilience, um, you know, going with the theme. I also think it was just the, the uh, willingness to end and to finish and to capitalize and to complete because you even had Micah Parsons who he was limping around and then the guy gets a, a sack to end the game. I, I mean, what else could you want from these guys? They absolutely step up when you need them to. But I think overall, the one thing I really noticed was the depth. And, and I, I think we are going to notice that every week. But specifically for the Rams game, that's what I noticed. What about you on the defensive end? Uh, we had the flu game uh, for Micah Parsons in New York. I'm calling this one the peg leg game because uh, he was down a <laughs> leg. So uh, you're right. I mean, with each guy that falls off or, you know, is, is hampered by injury, another guy steps up in his place and just dominates. And like I said, you know, from the beginning that the game started with a defensive touchdown. It ended with a strip sack. And what's also kind of forgotten is that Anthony Brown was called for an illegal contact on Cooper Cup on that defensive touchdown and immediately the flag was thrown you could tell Mike McCarthy was upset because he, he figured it would go against them but the referees got together and said no you know what the fumble happened before the contact happened so it's negated it, it's not a penalty so that was awesome to see and I think again setting the tone that's what the defense is in charge of doing right now Micah Parsons says it every week he said that it's on us to set the tone Mike McCarthy believes it so the other stat, like you mentioned, the run game, we always have been talking about uh, that the Dallas run defense is something that has struggled. And against Washington last week, there were highlights of it struggling. But like you mentioned, this week they held the Rams to 38 yards rushing. And they, while they kind of 
went away from rushing the, the, the ball and Cam Akers wasn't that great, um, they still held him to 38 yards. And I think that's just impressive in itself. The one stat that I heard today on the Athletic Football Show they talked about how the Dallas pass rush, how unbelievable, how unbelievably great it is. L- listen to the stat and how crazy it is. Dallas has a 47.5 pressure rate without blitzing, uh, specifically in this game against the Rams. So usually when teams try and get pressure, they bring an extra man. They want to have a blitz. But Dallas, they're getting pressure with just the front four alone 47.5% of the time. That is an absolutely insane stat. And it's, it's visible. You see it down in and down out. So um, like I mentioned, the, the Rams are struggling, but these are the teams you are supposed to beat. Um, and it seems like that, you know, this was a game for all of Jerry's guys, right? Adorns Armstrong, uh, Malik Hooker, you know, the guys that Jerry has been talking about all offseason saying, oh, these are our guys. And at first you're like, ah, this is just Jerry speaking. But you see a game like this, it's like, okay, he must be seeing something that we're not. And Dorrance Armstrong has just been, a crazy crazy storyline this season um and how he was able to just set the tone not only in this game but in previous games and how it's almost like randy gregory is not really missed anymore and i know people were talking about that man what would this defense be with a randy gregory but the trickle down effect of when you sign someone like a randy gregory you're not able to get maybe an lve back an anthony barr in free agency a dante fowler and all these guys are contributing uh, very well, and maybe an LVE and an Anthony Barr aren't up to their standards of play, but they're still contributing in different ways. So I think that just like you said, from this defense, they're just uh, it's just fun to watch. You almost don't want to get up from your chair. You're on the edge of your seat every single time, sometimes standing up and cheering, yelling at the TV like my father was uh, yesterday. But it's just it's an unbelievable feeling to see this defense perform. And, um, you know, like we were talking about, the offensive side of the ball struggling a little bit. And again, it's with a backup quarterback. The expectations aren't high in itself. So for you, what have you seen with this offense, uh, you know, against the Rams? Where are things that can be improved upon? You know, what were some highlights? I'm sure we'll talk about the Tony Pollard run, but talk about the offense and how they played against the Rams. Yeah, and and you know what? I'm so glad you brought up stats because this goes for both the defense that we just talked about and the offense that I'm about to get into first and then you know we'll we'll bounce back and forth from there but what I really am impressed by with this Cowboys team is that the stats even though they're good obviously for the defensive side of the ball they're great they don't tell the whole story of what this Cowboys team is doing and and so you you can go back and you can look at the stats and it's important to to look at the stats but what I really find special is that you know you even go back and and you look at the defensive stats from from Sunday's game and they do not reflect how impactful this defense is. I mean, you had Tank constantly putting pressure on Matt Stafford throughout the entire game. That's not going to show in the stats, but it was impactful. You know, you have Micah Parsons, who uh, maybe isn't getting all of the flashy stats, but it's just crazy. Anyways, that goes to say, with the offense, they're, um, I, I guess, they're doing what everybody wanted them to do. They're trying to establish the run, and they're giving the ball to Zeke specifically, which, um, you know, there's there's an argument there. And, and I kind of went on my soapbox about this earlier on Girls Talk, Boys Talk, uh, saying that, you know, everybody is so quick to peg Tony Pollard or Zeke. One or the other, you have to pick one. Which one are you picking? You don't have to pick one. The thing is, is they're both contributing and they're both powerful together. They're both doing things that you need them to be doing. 
you have Zeke who, yeah, he's not going to be explosive and, and get you that 27 yard run. But what he and and he could. I mean, I still want to believe that 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 he could at, at some point, right? But um, what he is doing, and, and again, this this is just seeing football from a bit of a different perspective. Um, when you're not watching it as a fan, and you go back like like Brandon and I do, and you rewatch the game, and you rewatch some of these key plays, what you do see from Zeke that you're not going to see from Tony Pollard. You see the pass pro. That is so important. That was showed when Cooper Rush got sacked easily by Jalen Ramsey easily that was all on Tony Pollard and with Zeke he continues to just pound and pound and pound sure three yards two yards four yards you know what that adds up to that adds up to your 10 yards that you need to complete that drive and and continue to move the chains forward and not allow the offense to get behind the chains uh you have Tony Pollard who obviously got the only scoring uh, touchdown drive of the game who really just looked explosive but Tony Pollard was also fighting through a stomach illness he had some kind of a stomach bug I, I guess throughout the week and um I mean, absolutely incredible, the stats he put up. But again, it doesn't tell the whole story. So I think their commitment to the run has been everything we wanted it to be because this is what we were asking for. You go back to, I'm sure, any of our previous episodes, week one, week two, we're begging Kellen Moore, please just run the ball. Because what happens is when you run the ball that much, uh, it's not really about the total yardage at the end of the game. What it is about is it's establishing the run game and establishing that run game opens up everything else for one play action two the passing game. It, it really just completes the entire offensive scheme. And so, uh, um, I think their commitment to the run is really important. I think Kellen Moore is getting a better feel for what he has to work with. I think the O-line's gelling more. Um, and, and I'm going to, Although he didn't have a great game, I'm going to throw roses to Tyler Smith because he had one of the toughest jobs ahead of him. That tough job, well, Aaron Donald. And I'm pretty sure Tyler Smith nor anybody else wants to go against Aaron Donald, but he did. Obviously, we we saw him get burned a little bit there. But what I really love about Tyler Smith is he learned from it, and uh, he's only going to grow. This is the guy's first year, and it's unbelievable that we haven't mentioned him up until really Sunday's game to say he was doing anything wrong. And I don't think he was doing anything wrong on Sunday. I just think Aaron Donald is a GOAT, if not the best defensive player in the league. You're going to get burned by him. No matter if you're a rookie, no matter if you're a veteran, Aaron Donald is going to Aaron Donald. And um, yeah, I think the O-line's gelling better. Connor McGovern, I'm going to throw him his flowers. I, I think Connor McGovern had an absolutely incredible game. So I, I'm just overall, and, and of course, Cooper Rush cannot forget to give a little shout out to Cooper Rush and everything he's continued to accomplish um, as, as uh, really our expectations, like you said earlier, were low. And uh, I didn't even go back to listen to the, those past episodes because I'm embarrassed that we ever doubted Rush Hour. Brandon, I'm so embarrassed for us. How embarrassing. I cannot believe we ever doubted him. But to be fair, to be fair, we had only seen one game out of him, right? So very different circumstances. I think now um, it, it is very nice and comfortable feeling to know that if something happens to Dak, Cooper rushes in the wings, ready to go. But what about you? What was something that stood out for you on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, you mentioned Cooper rush. And I think it's important to remember what I, and I looked all this information up. So you're going to have to bear with me for a second, but I, I was thinking about what have backup quarterbacks performed like in the past for the Dallas Cowboys. And it's almost like 
the expectations are for Cooper Rush, oh, you have to be throwing 300 yards a game. You know, you have to throw for two touchdowns a game, you know, or otherwise you're going to have a terrible performance. But when you look back at the performances of other backup quarterbacks in a, a long period of time, because there were moments where Kellen Moore was a backup for two games. Like, I don't really look at that as a comparable with stats, but going back from 2010 with John Kitna, he played nine games. He was four and five uh, for his record completion percentage of 65.7, but his touchdown intercept interception ratio was 16 and 12. Uh, Brandon Whedon for four games from 2014 to 2015, 0 and 4 in his starts, a 65.5 completion percentage, five touchdowns to four interceptions. Matt Castle, whenever that was in 2015, whatever, you know, when he came in, uh, he was 1 and 6, 58.3 completion percentage, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, you could see the common theme here. And then Andy Dalton in 2020, probably the best of, you know, the five guys, except for Cooper Rush, you know, in when he stepped in for Dak's injury, he went four. Four and uh, four, one, four games out of five, uh, 64.9 completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So, again, higher touchdowns, but again, he's still turning the ball over. And then you have our guy Cooper Rush. It's something about redheads and and the uh, backup position for the Cowboys and how I guess somewhat successful. I know, uh, you know, Phil Tanner mentioned that last week. Um, but Cooper Rush is five and oh, you know, between 2021 and 2022. 62.4 completion percentage, not the absolute best, but again, which we'll get into, drop balls by the wide receivers, not really doing him any favors, but seven touchdowns and one interception going back to the Minnesota game. Other than that, with this season and all of his starts, no interceptions. And he has three fumbles, one last season, two this season, but again, he's not turning the ball over. Nobody's recovering it. So the best attribute about him is that, like I said, he's not turning the ball over. He's being efficient. And also, when you look at the defenses that these guys have had, you know, for the being the backups for Dallas, like we said, Cooper Rush is giving all the credit to the defense and the guys who were before him for Kitna, the defense was ranked 34, 31st in points per game allowed for Brandon Whedon. It was 16th. Matt Castle was 16th. Andy Dalton was 28th. And for this season for Cooper Rush, they're ranked third in points allowed with 14.4. So you could see that while the backups aren't playing the absolute best, it comes down to the defense carrying the team, and that's why Cooper Rush is having so much success. You mentioned Tyler Smith going against Aaron Donald, and we talked about in the pregame Twitter space, halftime post. It's a difficult task for anybody to go up against Aaron Donald, and everybody was talking about saying, oh, Tyler Smith needs to be benched. This is why we need Jason Peters you know, to be in the game. This is why we need Tyron Smith. Like, No, like, the guy has been superb up until this point. He allowed one sack all season so far, and he allows two on Sunday. Like, Give, give the guy a break, and he was playing guard in the preseason and all of training camp. Like he wasn't taking left tackle snaps until the week before the game or whenever Tyron got hurt. Like the guy is just unbelievable this season. And you mentioned Connor McGovern going up against Aaron Donald. He was the best one out of all of them. Whenever he played Aaron Donald, even Zach Martin was having trouble. So like you mentioned, there's guys who are stepping up and performing well above expectations, but the expectations weren't that high going into the season when you have a backup quarterback playing. So like you said, everybody's meeting expectations and the exceeding part is not turning the ball over. So I don't know if that's something that you see with a common thread, if you agree with anything like that, or if there's anything else, you know, offensive wise, you know, you saw from the Rams game um, on Sunday. Yeah. You know what? Offensively, I think what hurts them the most is themselves. I think it's, yeah. uh, you know, just missing basic things, catching those balls, Michael Gallup and, and CD having those drops. You can't do that. You, you know, you just, you can't, there's no excuse. There's no exception. 
you cannot do that. And, and I'm going to give Michael Gallup a pass this week and saying it's only his second week back. However, Michael Gallup, you know better. You can't do that. He, I'm not so mad at because how can you be mad at him after he makes that beautiful catch? Planting the first foot, dragging the second, that is as good as it gets with Michael Gallup. That's incredible stuff, making that sideline catch. Now, CD, I'm a little upset with. However, I know CD Lamb is very resilient, and I know, if anything, he is going to come back. And mark my words, everybody, CD is going to have a huge catch at some point during the Philly game, huge. Like it, the crowd will erupt and go wild because one thing about CD Lamb, and, and we learned this, uh, I think, a couple of weeks ago when he had the first drop, was he stews on it. And he didn't get a chance to really make up for it during this game. So that's what I'm saying. He's going to have not just a game to stew on dropping that ball, he's going to have a whole week. And you can't tell me he's not going to be thinking about it the entire rest of this week. So um, I, I look, Things happen. It's going to happen. I would rather it happen week five of the season than, you know, postseason play. So if you're going to make those silly mistakes, please get it out of the way. Another thing, uh, all the penalties, here we go. Of course, I get on the soapbox about the penalties. I don't, I, I'm not mad at them this week, and here's why. I think a lot of the penalties that were called were absolute trash. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I think there was a lot more penalties that weren't called during this game. And, and I'm not mad at Tyler Smith by any means. You're going against Aaron Donald. You're going to have a holding call. I mean, come on, let's, let's just be honest. Aaron Donald is basically just greatness all around. And uh, I think he's great at getting those calls on him because he's Aaron Donald. So I, I think it's very easy to, to fall into that. I think Tyler, uh, Tyler Smith learned, a great amount during this game. He did talk about that uh, during his post-game interview as well. Something else I wanted to mention was, you know, we're, we're talking all about Cooper Rush and and uh, just the redheaded greatness that he is. And maybe, you know, maybe the Cowboys need to think about that uh, for future references. Hey, we have great lucks with with redheads, and we love that. Any Anything that helps at this point, we're not going to say no to. So uh, something I wanted to mention was in Micah's post-game interview – uh, he was asked about if he ever felt like there was going to be a drop-off with Cooper Rush coming in after Dex injury, and he said, no, there was never a drop-off in our minds. We trust him 100%. And it's true. He's been around these guys, and, and I think that's something all of us uh, overlooked from from the get-go uh, when, when Dak first went down. But now we can appreciate it because how many backups do you have in this league that have been around the same team for five years? Uh, yes, you have backups that are veterans and experienced and, you know, uh, have championship teams that they've played on. I, I get that. But what I'm saying is Cooper Rush has been in the same building. He's been through the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. He's been through the schematic changes and the coaching changes throughout the last five years. That's a long time in football terms. Five years is a long, long time. So I can appreciate the fact that he's been around this long and he's uh, really getting the chance to show everybody who he is and, and establish a name for himself within the league because he is absolutely doing everything we needed him to do and exceeding all of our expectations. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate 
in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. No, I, I completely agree with what you said. And, and, you know, we'll probably get into a lot more of that in our top 10 rankings, which we will start now. Uh, I don't know if you have any honorable mentions. For me, I gave some love to Tony Pollard and Zeke, like you said, just running the ball. Um, I mean, Tony Pollard had the only touchdown in the game, so you have to give him some credit. Um, but he didn't see the field as much, which, you know, like you said, to the chagrin of a lot of fans, I think it's just a nice even split. You know, uh, Zeke's the more run and pound the ball type guy, and, and you know, it's important to get those yards, like you said, three, four, seven. It leads to a first down and moving the chain, so that's important. Trayvon Diggs, I didn't put him in the top 10, but I think it's worth mentioning that he was showing up as a tackler in this game. You know, that's not a part of his game that he gets a lot of credit for, but he's upending guys. He's tackling guys low, you know, lowering his shoulder. I, I was getting very nervous. I don't want him to get a broken collarbone uh, going against a running back like Daryl Henderson, a much bigger guy. But it was great to see him, you know, being a better tackler. And the two plays, the two chunk plays, like, th that doesn't matter to me, like, Again, he gives up the plays, but he was in great position, and the ball was just thrown in the right possible place by Matt Stafford. So I don't put that on Trayvon Diggs. And when people say, you know, oh, he was the reason why they got 10 points, you could also turn that and say, well, he was also the reason why they only got 10 points. So it's important to look at it both ways, glass half full, glass half empty. You got to look at it glass half full. Uh, but 10, 9, and 8, I have Carlos Watkins, Malik Hooker, and Sam Williams. Like I mentioned at the top, Carlos Watkins stepping in for Quentin Bohanna, it's like nothing ever, you know, was was out of rhythm. He stepped in right away. And this is a guy who was a starter last season that most people forget. So the fact that he's on the practice squad, he's able to come in. I'm now very worried that he might be picked off the the practice squad. So maybe if they can do some move moves, maybe take Josh Ball off and get Carlos Watkins on. I think that would be the better move. Um Malik Hooker with the game ceiling interception, I think is important to give credit to. Again, another one of these Jerry guys. And he was also really a sure tackler um, in the secondary as well, too. And then Sam Williams, while, you know, this is probably his greatest game uh, against the run. He was a much better tackler, not as aggressive in pass rush and going past the ball carrier. And I know people say PFF grades are, you know, whatever. They're crazy. They're silly. But when you look at his grade from week one to week five, he was at 28.5, 34.8, 48, 63, 91. He just progressively gets better. And regardless if you believe in the grades or not, you can just see if you looked at week one to week five, you could see he's a different player. And I know he was given a lot of credit uh, this week by Dan Quinn. So those are my bottom three. Who you got, Jess? All right, my honorable mention for the week is going to be Brett Money Maher. Um, of course, I'm going to honorably mention him. He's, he is, but he's so low. What are you doing? He's your guy. <laughs> I know, I know. There. Here's the thing. It's always a good problem to have when you have so many players that you want to mention and put on this top ten, right? That, that's how you know it was just a great week of football for the Cowboys. But I'm going to give Brett Maher some love. 
Obviously, without Brett Maher, the Cowboys would not have won this game. So thank you, Brett Maher. We appreciate you and your leg. Uh, take it easy for the rest of the week. I hope your pillow is nice and cold. I hope everything goes as you want and uh, protect yourself. We need that leg and uh, we need you to save it when we need it, right? So uh, number 10, I had Connor McGovern. Um, uh, again, I think he did an absolutely great job filling in. And and uh, the thing about Connor McGovern is, <laughs> I guess any any O lineman, it's it's hard or it's easy as a casual fan to watch and just watch the run, but it's not until you go back and you rewatch the game and you're like, wait, why was that why was that hole open? Who was doing that? What who who got that block? There there's a lot of things that go into rewatching the game and, and I, I have such an appreciation for uh, anybody that, that goes back to watch that film. But Connor McGovern, he had um I put him lower um just because again there were so many great great players within this game, but um, I, I put him here specifically because he was the part of the reason that there was such a huge hole open for Tony Pollard to get his uh, run in touchdown. So um, I want to say Connor McGovern was my 10 number nine. He didn't actually make it on your top 10 list. And you just mentioned him was Zeke. And uh, this goes back to my soapbox tangent earlier about how, you know what? You go back and you look at Zeke's stats. They're not great for this game. They are not great at all, but that doesn't tell the story of what he does for this offense. I, I think Zeke is absolutely part of the reason that these defenses get so worn out when the Cowboys have a good long drive. Zeke may not be getting you those, those 10 yard runs at a time, but what he is doing is he's wearing down defenses, not only when he's running as your running back, but also when he's in there, blocking and and he is doing Zeke the freak kind of things that I, I think just loses um, a lot of the fan base loses appreciation for him so easily. And, and I wish they wouldn't because if Zeke was not out on that field, it would be a noticeable difference. So I'm just saying Zeke is my number nine. Uh, number eight, I had Osa and that is because Osa has just been on the up and up. Okay. Osa. Oh my goodness, sir. Where did you come from? Because I know a lot of us uh, have been keying in on Osa for the, the past few weeks. And, and I, I just love to see guys like Osa win guys like Osa that one, his name should have never even been in the starting discussion because a lot of people were counting him out and look what he's doing. I mean, Hey, I'm just saying, uh, what did I tweet on the blog and the boys Twitter account? Uh, Matt Stafford cannot, uh, Odigizua it. I, I think that, uh, that goes along with, uh, with Trayvon Diggs there. So I had Osa there at my next spot for number eight. Who did you have for seven, six, and five? Uh, you might be Osa low on, uh, Odigizua. Uh, I mean, you're just not giving him enough credit, uh, but I'll start with number seven. I have Connor McGovern you a little what? bit. I, I'm, One thing about Brandon and I, we're gonna we're gonna give you the punt. The oh puns. yeah, like, oh yeah. Whether you're following us on game day or you're listening to the podcast, like I love it. I'm I'm a I'm a big puns gal, so I can appreciate. That. We may be young, but we have the sense of humor of a 50 year old father. Uh, so with, <laughs> so with Connor McGovern, like you said, it's a tough task to go against Aaron Donald. And he was a big reason why Tony Pollard had that 57 yard touchdown. I just have to give him a lot of credit. And from what I heard on the post game on one Oh five, three, he actually injured one of his arms in the pregame warmup. So he was injured with a bum leg, you know, coming back from the high ankle injury and a, and a bad arm. So the guy was like down two limbs and he still managed to outperform Aaron Donald and basically take him out of the game in the second half. 
So that was awesome to see. Um, I have Money Maher at number six. Again, you're just way too low on these people. He's your guy. What, what are you doing? He had another three for three day when it was very uncertain of what the special teams would be like heading into this game. I know we didn't talk about it, but, you know, the botch snap with the new uh, long snapper, Matt Overton, you know, it's like it was that going to be the theme of the day. And we heard that he missed three field goals in practice. So going into the week, I'm like, man, this guy's been so great. Like, is, is the long snapper really going to mess this up? No, not for Money Maher, not my guy. Uh, and if it wasn't for the Hail Mary kick that happened in New York, this guy would be a perfect 13 for 13. He's he's 13 to 14 right now, and he actually leads the NFL in 45 points as a kicker. I cannot believe that that is the world we live in in 2022 with Brett Maher being this type of guy. It's awesome. I love to see it. And number five, I got Osa. Uh, the guy has been an absolute beast. This was probably his best game in his career so far which he's had a couple, uh, but he led the team in pressures with seven. And out of the 34 snaps that he played, he had four quarterback hurries, uh, two tackles for loss, a sack, and two tackles, and also put pressure on Stafford on the uh, interception throw too, And which I thought I was, <laughs> I was praying that it wouldn't have been a late hit, but he led with his arm, so he didn't really lead with his helmet. So I was happy to see that. And this was also a tweet that I saw on Twitter from John Owing. He said that pre-Monday Night Football, Oso Digizua ranks second among interior defensive uh, linemen in pass rush win rate. Only second to Aaron Donald, the guy who was across from on the other side. So, again, you're having Oso way, way too low on your rankings. Uh, the guy's been an absolute beast, and I think that he had a great game um, you know, on Sunday. So, But listen, we can agree to disagree. That's totally fine. That's what these rankings are for. I'll let you go with, their, with your next three, and we won't talk about it. Look, look, look. I don't disagree. Osa is uh, Osa a beast. I mean, really, what else could you want from the guy? But – you have to trust the process with these power rankings. You can't just like hear part of it and then assume that it's going to be trash. I promise you it's not. There was a lot of thought that went into this. Osa, you still get your flowers. You made the power rankings. This if is you very made true. The power rankings, yeah. You get your flowers for the week. And and if you're an honorable mention, of course, Money Maher, again, he's an obvious one. So I was like, look, I'm gonna throw a little curveball, but we are a Brett Money Maher fan podcast we absolutely love him we have never said anything but sweet kind loving words for money maher <laughs> in our entire lives both of us exactly We've never doubted him oh my goodness there's never going to be any tape of us found anywhere uh ever doubting him that that was never a thought in either of our brains so money maher of course i agree so uh up next let's see we're on six five and four so number six or no seven we're on seven yeah seven Seven, six, and Don't five. get ahead of yourself. <laughs> I'm just so excited. I love these power rankings. Okay, number seven, I had Anthony Barr, and he is new to my power rankings list, but he served as a silent killer during this game. He looked like a ninja kind of all over the field. Like, he's here one second, he's over here the next. I mean, he was somebody that when I went back to rewatch the game this morning, I didn't notice the first time around just watching the game uh, during, you know, real time when it was happening. And then I went back to watch it and I said, why did that happen? And I go back and it's Anthony Barr being a difference maker in a lot of the game. I, I really am so glad that the Cowboys decided to get Anthony Barr during free agency because he, again, is somebody that the stats are not going to show 
what the true story is with Anthony Barr. I think Anthony Barr is somebody that's continuously making a difference but kind of in the in the shadows a little bit. And and that's important. You need that. You need those guys. Um, and, and something that Christy Scales mentioned today too was that he's not somebody that came in with the attitude of the statute of the player that he is. He's somebody that came in very level-headed and was like, all right, I'm just here to work. Not somebody that came in saying like, oh yeah, look at me. Anthony Barr, number seven. Number six, I had Donovan Wilson, and no shocker there, right? He continued to really be all over the field. Donovan Wilson has just grown and grown and grown in, out, uh, in, week in, when out. Oh, my goodness, I can't even talk. I'm so excited. In the weeks that we've seen uh, the Cowboys play, and he just really is constantly – making sure that he is playing fundamental football. What I mean by this is you watch the game back or you just watch it live and you see a lot of missed tackles uh, uh, from guys. I think that's something that the Cowboys defense has gotten better at and and I think it still needs work. But overall, Donovan Wilson, he's not going to miss you. For the most part, he has been so consistent with his tackling and actually following through with the entire tackle. Um he, he stops big plays from happening. And, and I firmly believe that this game would look different and there would be more than two big plays that we would be talking about from the Rams if Donovan Wilson was not on that field. So I'm going to say Donovan Wilson is my number six. Number five, some of y'all are going to disagree with this, and that's okay. That's why we're here. We're here to, to uh, create some controversy for your Tuesday morning and or whenever you're listening to this on Tuesday. But uh, Tony Pollard was my number five. And this is because I I think with Tony Pollard's journey as a whole, you look back at where he started when he first came on the team, where he is now. You can't tell me that when Tony Pollard first came into the conversation, you ever thought that he would be a dynamic duo with Zeke. I, I think a lot of us assumed it would just be the Zeke show all the time. But Tony Pollard has busted his butt to make sure that... He has made a name for himself within this team. He's so important. Yes, I am a little upset with him about the lack of pass pro, obviously, which I think is why it's a little bit of a shock that he's so high on my list. However, he was the only player on offense to score a touchdown on Sunday. That's huge. And with a beautiful run, that was just so instinctive of Tony Pollard, the way you you watch him run that uh, run to the end zone. Absolutely beautiful. I think Tony Pollard, especially coming off of a stomach injury, y'all, if you've ever had, or a stomach injury, excuse me, a stomach illness, if you've ever had the stomach flu and you're telling me that you could go run and play like Tony Pollard did on Sunday, you're a liar. It is not real. (laughs) And, And that just continues to show why Tony Pollard is such a necessity to this offense. But again, in the same breath, so is Zeke. You can have two running backs. It's okay. You don't have to fight. You don't have to pick one or the other. You can have both. All right. Who are your next three up? Uh, you mentioned Donovan Wilson uh, on the play where after Brian Anger shanked his punt um, and they had a, a pretty good return and pretty good field position, they tried the old you know uh, wide receiver throw to the running back out of the backfield, and he was right there on Cam Akers, broke up the play. So I see what you're talking about. And I, listen, I've run uh, – I think probably the best thing I've done off of a stomach bug was just try and get up and eat some toast, right? That's, that seems like that's, that's all anybody's able to do when they, when they have the stomach bug. Uh, but my fourth guy that I have on the list – is Cooper Rush. And some people might have him a little bit higher. Some people might have him a little bit lower. 
I think that backup quarterbacks in this in this league in the NFL are not supposed to win four games in a row. And I think that if, when you look at something like that with his demeanor, the way his attitude has been, the guy's just been aces. Uh, again, like this 50-year-old father saying, has uh, just been great for this team um, throughout all four games and his starts. And again, dating back to last season as well, too. So, And even in the postgame, he was asked, you know, what is it going to be like this week? Is Dak going to get reps? Are you going to get reps? And he's not tipping his hand. He's saying, hey, listen, we're just going to be business as usual. I'm just going to act like I'm, I'm the starter and we'll go from there. You know, the guy, he just knows how to handle the media, too. And you could see that week after week, he's gotten a lot better. So I got to give some love to Cooper Rush. At number three, I have Demarcus Lawrence, the guy who, outside of Tony Pollard, scored the touchdown as well. Uh, he has... Uh, 22 pressures through five games last season he had 30 pressures in seven games so he's already on like a all pro type level um, and like you mentioned just in the beginning he's having a great year when it comes to defending the run in almost like these hidden yards where he might not necessarily get his hands on the quarterback but he's in the backfield and the whole reason why Micah had you know one of his sacks was because he kind of flushed uh, Stafford toward his side so uh, Lawrence is having a great season back-to-back -back weeks of, of being really good and especially in uh, coming off of the New York game uh, and then number two I have Dorrance Armstrong we already talked about him we give him the love with the sack fumble um, and then also to the block punt the guy he's just he's great on defense but also special teams and he had the block punt last season the block field goal this season the guy's just really good on special teams so I got to give him some love too maybe we'll line up at four three and two I don't know you tell me what you got Oh man. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to give any spoilers. I'll just go up my list here. But, uh, number four, I had Sam Williams because again, he's another player. Look at the talk and reflect how much of an impact he, he had during this game. Uh, he's somebody that the coaching staff talked highly about Mike McCarthy saying that he wanted to get Sam more of those reps in going into this game. Uh, we absolutely saw that. And, and I think it's so important for Sam Williams uh, to continue to get those reps just to keep Micah healthy. And, and I know that's a hot take because everyone says, I want to see Micah in for every rep. I want Micah to always be on the field, leave him on the field. Okay, sure. But also, we are only not even a quarter, barely a quarter of a way into the season. There's a long season ahead, people. Think of the long-term goal here. Do you really want a banged up Micah Parsons come, you know, the last week, last few weeks of the season? I sure don't. So long-term thinking would say, if you can get a guy that can give Micah some rest, and, and I'm not saying Micah's going to be out for what, maybe maybe uh, 10 drives during the entire game. I'm, I'm just saying, get somebody more established who can make sure that uh, there's still an impactful play going on when Micah's not in there. Sam Williams did just that. Uh, something that really stood out to me about him was, when the Rams decided to fake that punt and, and go for it on, what was it, fourth and five in the second quarter, he almost had that ball tipped. If you go back and watch, he jumps, and it was so remarkably close to being tipped. Imagine if if just the, the timing would have been a second, second quicker the impact that he would have had on that game. I, I mean, incredible. So um, I, I had Sam Williams at number four. Number three, I had Tank. I don't think it's any surprise that Tank is this high on the list. I mean, come on. You have the recovery on the fumble for the for the touchdown. 
Uh, he was continuously putting pressure on Matt Stafford all night. Um, and he was part of the reason his pressure that he was putting on Matt Stafford was part of the reason that Micah could get in and get that sack uh, to really end the game there as well. So Tank, what I love about him is he talked about how uh, he agreed with Mike McCarthy saying, yeah, no, we're, we're not underdogs. So, uh, you know, that was post game. And uh, what I loved about his post game interview is nobody asked him about his touchdown. I think everybody forgot because it was just such a high and low game. And that happened so early on. He goes, Y'all aren't going to ask me about my touchdown? And and everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And then he starts glowing and talking about it, like how it felt very surreal for him that he didn't even realize what was going on until afterwards. And uh, I, I just love that. I love that for him. So Tank is incredible. I love Tank. Such a, such a leader, such a great person on and off the field. Obviously a key player and a GOAT, if you will. Um, number two, are we, are we going on number two now? Yes, we are, yeah. yeah. All right. Number two is Dorrance Armstrong. Oh, look at that. So, we, okay, pretty pretty good. We lined up pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, you know, obviously he's going to be up there starting the game off how he did in the first quarter. I mean, much less the first drive. Like, it's incredible how Dorrance Armstrong has really made a name for himself within this defense. With all of the playmakers that you have on there, Dorrance Armstrong has continued to just prove who he is as a player. And, and I can appreciate that so much. I, I think you talk about buying into the culture of the team. I think Dorrance Armstrong is a perfect example of that. Uh, having that sack fumble and then uh, blocking the kick. I mean, goodness, you want to talk about setting the tone of a game. Dorrance Armstrong set the entire tone of the game because it's hard to say that the game would have been the same if he wasn't um, being such a playmaker so early on. Um, so yeah, that was my four, three, and two, I have a feeling our number one looks the same this week. And that's okay. That's okay if it does. That's totally because fine. I have a feeling, I have a feeling it's, a, it's a great one, and, and it deserves to be at the top. So who is your number one? Uh, Aaron Donald looked like the best defensive player in the NFL in the first half. But in the second half, when it mattered most, Micah Parsons looked like, looks like the best uh, defensive player in the NFL. The guy was unbelievable. He is my number one. Uh, like I said, you know, he had two crucial sacks. Uh, the first one to keep you know, the Rams out of field goal range. And, and listen this uh, to this too, like the defensive line that was on the third and 11 on the third in the third quarter when he got his first sack. It was Fowler, Williams, Lawrence, and Parsons. That's like a typical NASCAR package. You have all these defensive ends lining up at defensive tackle, and that's why they were able to get to the quarterback so quickly. And then the second sack, of course, the strip sack fumble to end the game. The guy said that he injured his leg and pulled his groin in the first quarter. So that means that he was playing the rest of the game injured. It's unbelievable. And yes, he was on the sidelines for a little bit, you know, with his helmet off, kind of like resting up on the bike. But when he was in, after he was injured, it looked like that he was the same old Micah. And then he, after, like towards the end of the game, he's defending and pass, you know, uh, defense too. So it's like a guy with the pull groin, you think shouldn't be doing all this stuff, but he's waving guys off the field. And he was like, no, listen, I got this. I'm the closer. Uh, and from all accounts, it seems like he'll be pretty good going into this week. We'll see how it goes. But the guy's just an animal. He's a beast. He's a warrior. And he's somebody that I'm so happy that the Cowboys have. Uh, I know he's been a lot lower on our rankings in the past. But a guy who's playing on one leg deserves all the credit in the world, especially with what he was able to do. And I just want to play the Eminem song. Guess who's back? Back again. 
Mike is back. He's back again. He's back at number one on my list as well, because how could he not be? I mean, you look at what that man does for this defense. And, um, you know, I think he's so crucial on those third downs. I think he's a big reason why the defense, if not the reason that the defense is so successful in, in stopping teams uh, in the red zone. And, and of course, um, with, with those third down conversions. And so with Micah, Again, we can go back to his resilience. We can go back to his fight, his drive, um, just his his push to continuously be better, want better. And, and I'm just, I'm questioning, when does it stop, dude? Like, oh my goodness, that is, that is incredible. Um, the amount of mindfulness that Micah Parsons has for what he wants for himself is, is absolutely incredible. And so with all that being said, I don't think number one deserve, was more deserving than Micah Parsons was for my uh, power rankings this week because look at what that man did. Like you mentioned, he was basically playing with one leg and he's still this impactful. And what's, you know, what's funny about watching the live broadcast is, you know, you, you have the broadcasters talking about, oh, I don't know if he's going to come back in. Oh, this might be bad news for Cowboys fans. And, you know, really, really hyping. Like he has his helmet off and now he's riding the bike. He's staying warm. What's going on? And then... Who else but to get the sack that just ends the game? Who Like, of course it's Micah Parsons. Of course you're sitting here thinking, oh, my goodness, is Micah okay? Is he going to go back in? And then you see him back in, you're like, okay, great, great, great. Take it easy. Uh, don't, don't hurt yourself. Like, please take it easy. And he gets a sack. I mean, come on. It, it's just so on brand for Micah Parsons. Such a f- uh, storybook ending uh, for Micah Parsons to be the one that got that sack uh, to end the game there and, and really finalize everything. So, you know what? I'm okay with our number ones matching this week because it's Micah Parsons. What a beast. Who better than to be one and one ah, on this power rankings list? Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, like you said, he, he deserves all the credit in the world. And I think to kind of close out, the one thing I was taking a look at is, okay, where does the team go from here? I know, yes, they are playing the Eagles this week coming up, but after that, the schedule actually looks pretty good and pretty favorable. You know, you got Philly, Detroit, Chicago, and of course the bye. The record between those three, it's 5-0, and 1-4, and 2-3. and three. Then you have Green Bay, Minnesota, um, and it's like you got three and two, four and one. The Packers seem beatable now, especially losing to the Giants. Um, then you got the Giants, Indy, Houston, Jacksonville, you know, Philly, Tennessee, Washington. So you're playing all these teams that have the, for the majority of the part, either two and three records. Uh, you know, you got Houston and one, three and one. Indy doesn't look that good. So it seems like that everything's falling in favor of Dallas for the first time in forever. Uh, outside of the Philly team and the Giants, of course, you know, being four and one, which is still, I think, just as crazy to me as Dallas being four and one. Um, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out, and especially with Philly. And, you know, like you said, I mean, we got the Eagles coming up, and that'll be an interesting game. And it, I know we didn't have a guest on this week, but we have to bring the A game next week, regardless win, loss, tie. Uh, we need people to vent about the Eagles game. Um, I know RJ mentioned something specifically, Jess, if you want to talk about uh, before we end the show, um, regarding the run that Tony Pollard had and how special that might be uh, with something for blocking the boys. 
Yeah, so RJ, of course, we have to put the plug in for any time our fellow BTBers, uh, especially RJ Ochoa, the GOAT, uh, put something very amazing for you all together. So I just want to mention that as part of our Blog and the Boys interview series, uh, you can hear an interview with the one, the only, Tony Pollard. If you want to hear that, just continue to scroll on up. Wherever you listen to your podcast, it should already be posted by the time you're listening to this. Uh, I'm sure RJ did an amazing job with this interview. I'm excited to hear it um I, I know rj always kills it don't forget check that out when you get a chance today awesome man that's gonna be exciting i know everybody loves tony pollard and to see him break down his own play would be pretty cool uh jess where can people follow you on twitter they can follow me at jess navarre's underscore on twitter where can they follow you they can follow all the me good, all the good funny tweets i know that and then also the salvador dali the uh you know we make art references was, as well too oh my goodness i was dying <laughs> that was the funniest tweet i think i've ever seen like i i think i was thinking about it today as i was driving back home and i just started laughing like it, it's it's so funny brandon and i shared the exact same sense of humor and i'm so glad but yeah. anyways where can we follow you on twitter well, uh if you don't already you to can get a good laugh you can your, see that tweet at at brandon is right and it's w-r-i-t-e not r-i-g-h-t like usually i am with my power rankings just so that we get that clear uh you know again i know no shade no shade and i'm not saying that mine so shady mine is not right compared to yours (laughs) mine and yours are right compared to everybody else's that's that's the way we look at it so again the cowboys win 22 to 10 over the los angeles rams Thank you guys again for joining on this newest episode of the writer's block. And hopefully we're celebrating another victory Tuesday come next week as the Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see you guys next week.